Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's December the 10th, 2015, and it's time for my private audio call. And tonight, our special guest speakers, backed by popular demand, are Bart Ripple and Bobby Lohman. Good evening, gentlemen. Hi, Angela. Hi, hi. Nice to have you on. I'm so glad you're here. You close out the year this month with uh, all my best guest speakers. Well, thanks for having us in, Angela. On behalf of Bobby, we really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure talking to everybody. It's a talk show this uh, Thursday night slot. is always a lively bunch, so I'm hoping yeah. uh, tonight won't be any different. No, and I'm, it's always a pleasure to have you on. So uh, before we – I don't want to chit-chat any longer and take away time from you, so go right ahead and fill us in on what's been happening and what's new and what you're going to do for us. <laughs> sure, sure. Just a real quick disclaimer, guys, just for, for Bobby's protection as well as mine. Um, guys, we're not attorneys, so we're not here to give you legal advice. We're not licensed to do that. Um, everything that we go over on this call this evening is uh, meant for educational and informational purposes only, uh, and is not intended as, nor should it be construed as legal, tax, or financial advice. So having said that, uh, Bobby and I talked earlier in the week, actually I think it was just a couple of days ago, and came up with a couple topics that we wanted to talk about. And I do have, uh, we do have some holiday specials that we're running. We've uh, discounted a couple of things um, significantly to make them uh, very affordable between now and uh, uh, both of them, uh, these specials expire on January 1st, 2016 at midnight. So you got uh, got some time, but uh, we'll get into that in a little bit as we go. And the first topic we wanted to talk about tonight uh, is solar and wind easements. And we've been talking a great deal, Bobby and I, about uh, about these particular products. In fact, we were talking just the other night uh, with a gentleman from the great state of Texas who owns a great deal of property, uh, multiple acres, uh, hundreds of acres all over the state, and he's very interested in, uh, in using these tools uh, to protect his, uh, his property. And... Um, so without any further ado, guys, I'm just going to turn it over to Bobby to, to, to explain a little bit about what these are. Hopefully you guys will have some questions, and um, we want to make this as interactive as possible. So, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and kick things off and talk a little bit about the easements. Okay. Um, most people, when they when you hear the word easement, you think something that's connected directly to the real property like when you give the telephone company or the cable company an easement to run wires and poles across, or the gas company gets a, an easement to ferry utilities, or there's a piece of landlocked property and your neighbor needs an easement to get to that property, uh, all those kinds of easements there or rights of way are usually affixed to the property. And what happens is, they, when you go through like a tax foreclosure or a mortgage foreclosure,
eminent domain is a real good example of it. When your property gets taken under one of those things or seized, uh, the easements pass with it. And the reason is, part of the reason is because not only are they already of record, but they're connected directly to the real property or the mortgage premises or the real property that's being taken under eminent domain. So, with that being said, the solar and wind easements that uh, I do are not connected to the real property. Now, the purpose of these easements, the stated purpose is to generate non-fossil forms of energy. Never, ever, ever say that you put the easement on to protect the property. That's not a proper purpose. They could use that to get rid of the easement or, or terminate it if it was interfering with, say, eminent domain proceedings and that. However, it is an added side benefit of these easements is that they can't be taken like a normal easement, whether it's eminent domain foreclosure or tax foreclosure. And the reason is they're not connected to the real property. The solar easement extends over the real property, and the wind easement begins one inch above the ground. Now, the advantage of this is, is if the real property owner sells the easement, he's selling all of his right title claim and interest to that easement. In fact, it's the only way to do it if you want that added benefit of protecting the real property because any interest that the property owner retains can be foreclosed on in a mortgage proceeding, you know, foreclosure, tax foreclosure, or eminent domain. Once that property owner sells all of his right title claim and interest in those easements, the new owner of the easement has the option of whether or not he's going to enforce the easement. Now, if you're going to sell these easements, you have to make sure and sell them to somebody that you trust with your life. Because if you have them fallen out, they can make your life pretty miserable because they can make you remove any obstruction to those easements. Hey, Bobby, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. If somebody out there is, is looking to, to purchase these easements, do they have to sell them to a third party, or is it just better if they do? Oh, no, you have to. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, you have to sell it to a third party and preferably an uninterested third party because that's the whole point of it is to divest the landowner, the property owner, of any interest in the easement because if he retains any interest in it, that interest can be foreclosed upon. You don't want that to happen. Um, so the new owner of the easements I'm speaking of he has that uh, ability to enforce the easement and compel the offending party to remove any obstruction to the solar easement or the wind easement. Now, let's put this in the context of a foreclosure proceeding. 
the bank comes in, calls the note, for whatever reason you're unable to pay, they begin foreclosure proceedings on the property, but there's a problem. Easements have been sold. So if the bank takes ownership of the property through the foreclosure proceeding, now the fellow who owns the easement is entitled to get either a reasonable compensation for their obstruction of the easement, uh, or easements, plural, or to compel them to remove that obstruction if they don't agree to pay in a reasonable amount. Now, that kind of jams them up. Now, I'm personally, right now, I'm involved in defending some easements that I own in, in exactly that scenario. And the bank has moved for summary judgment to foreclose on my easements. And this is even before they foreclosed on the real property. They're trying to get these out of the way first. And that's how big of an impediment they are to, uh, you know, what they want to do with taking your real property. The only claim they could make against me is they're claiming my easements are subject to their mortgage because their mortgage was recorded first. And up here in New York uh, and in most states, there is this doctrine of first in line is first in right. Now, that would be true if these easements constituted a claim, interest in, or lien against the mortgage premises, but they don't. They're actually separate. And unless the bank can demonstrate that they do constitute a claim or interest or lien against the real property, they don't have standing to foreclose on them. And there's no way for them to prove that, is there, Bobby? <laughs> it's funny you should say that. They put in a, uh, an affirmation by the attorney that handled the, for, uh, the mortgage documents for the, the current owner of record of the real property. And his affirmation, the only thing he said is, oh, those easements are subject to our mortgage, and, uh, well, excuse me, that's what they said in their complaint. And when I joined issue and denied it, um, they put the attorney's affirmation in support of the motion for summary judgment, which, by the way, really isn't proper. Even if he has firsthand knowledge of the foreclosure documents, uh, they got to have more evidence than that. It doesn't have probate of effect on a summary judgment. But that's a whole other issue. He's whining and sniveling that, oh, but if if we can't foreclose on those easements, the new owner couldn't put up a new building because he could enforce those easements and keep them from obstructing, you know, creating an obstruction by the new building. Well, yeah, I could, or I could sell them the easements, or I could... Uh, get a reasonable rental fee for the space they're occupying. There's a lot of things I could do. But the courts don't operate on what you could do or what's possible. They look at what is. So they are, in effect, saying they have no uh, evidence to show that these easements are a claim, interest, or lien against the real property. The, the best that he said in a letter, a recent letter to the judge regarding my 
affidavit I put in was that my claims are metaphysical. And I guess maybe that's because those easements are out there floating around in the ether somewhere. I don't know. But they're hot up against it. And I had this confirmed in a conversation with the foreclosure victim's attorney. When he saw what was going on, he said, wow, that is really unique. He said, I've heard of vertical easements for cell phone towers, such like that. He said, but yours are really unique because they are definitely not affixed to the real property. And he said, the the bank doesn't have a leg to stand on. And I don't know how they're going to show that they can foreclose on your easements. So I I know that these things are solid. We'll see. And Bobby, let's say somebody somebody had a, a notice of federal tax lien on their property, and uh, Internal Revenue sued civilly to foreclose on the lien. They're going to run into similar problems, aren't they? Yes, but it's always better to have these things in place before you have trouble on tax foreclosure or eminent domain. And that's a good point. That's really something we should hammer home to the listeners here. Don't wait until you have problems. You know, Don't wait until uh, all your hair is on fire and there's nothing left to burn, because that seems to be the majority of people who come to us, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth inning and it's a full count. You know, do this when your property is, is free of any other encumbrances. You know, get ahead of the uh, ahead of the game. Protect what's yours, because there's always going to be somebody out there who's going to try to get it. I don't care who that is, whether it's just a, a greedy lawyer. All it takes is you know somebody slipping on your front step nowadays for crying out loud. So protect what's yours, folks. And this is an extremely effective way to do that, and it's extremely cheap, which I'll get into in in a few minutes here. But go ahead, Bobby. Now, in a situation of a tax foreclosure, I know somebody up here that did it. After the tax foreclosure was commenced, they ended up going ahead and selling his property, and the person that bought his property, they ended up coming to an agreement with this guy. Actually, he didn't buy his property. They bought the tax certificates, okay? Um, And the attorneys for that person were telling another guy I know that they're glad they settled this issue because they didn't know what they were going to do about those easements. Now, anybody who understands the law and understands that on a tax foreclosure, they're not really selling you good title to the property. What they're doing is selling you their interests in the in the property, if there is any. And... <clears throat> Anyone who buys property or thinks they're buying property at one of these tax foreclosure sales is in for a rude awakening if these easements are on there. Yeah, you can foreclose against the dirt in the buildings, but what good will they do you when you cannot trespass upon those easements? Yeah, let that be a warning if anybody's looking to bid at property at a a federal government auction, you know. Get some get a title get a title search done. Yeah, oh yeah, or the state. Um Yeah, or the state. Good point. Yeah, because if there's anything like this in effect, boy, oh boy, you're you're 
most of the time, the title insurance companies will not write title insurance. Excuse me. <coughs> I apologize. Um, most of the time, they won't write title insurance if these easements are in place. So keep that in mind, too. You know, you're not going to be able to borrow money against your land or uh, sell it until those easements are terminated. But for the time that they're there, you know, like I said, their real purpose is to generate non-fossil forms of energy. As the side benefit, they have that effect of keeping people from seizing or purchasing your property you know, whenever you happen to have some misfortune occur in your life and can't make your mortgage payments, tax bills, or, you know, those extremely onerous uh, eminent domain proceedings. Any questions, comments? I don't see any yet. Uh, if anybody has a question or a comment, press star 8. That'll put your hand up. Uh, it always takes a few minutes to cycle through. Otherwise, I don't see any. Bobby, did you want to maybe go into a little bit about uh, eminent domain as being one of the other attacks, potential attacks uh, a homeowner could face? First, let me ask you a question. I have a question. Does the IRS often sell a person's home for taxes? Oh, when they go through civil forfeiture proceedings, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know oh, all the time. Happened to yes. We got a guy. I got another guy. More. Um, Gene is one of my other people. Uh, my associates that uh, comes on this show from time to time, and he and I are working with a gentleman. Uh, another gentleman, different than the one I referenced earlier in Texas. And um, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got, got some liens on a property down there south of Dallas, and uh, they're looking to uh, foreclose on the lien. So. Um, how much yet. money is it worth? I mean, how much do they owe, apparently, or, or does the IRS say they owe? I, I, I think it's in the neighborhood of three million. Oh my God! Well, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I think actually, I think it's closer to three point five. That's somewhere. scary. <laughs> but, uh, well, he's got uh, he's got us helping him, so he's in good hands. So. Well, I'm glad for that. All right. Anybody else have a question? Press star eight. Put your hand up. Uh, if you have a question, I don't see any questions. So if you want to continue on, that'll be great. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, eminent domain. Uh, it's a little different in every state, but it's the same everywhere you go. You gotta understand the procedures that they're required to file. Up here. They're required to list the property on a map, um, and I forget the name of it right now, uh, if they're going to try to get the property under eminent domain. And I was reading some New York law on that, and the minute they list the property on that map is, is the minute that title vests in the state. So it's merely a formality when they go through the court proceedings to, you know, get the eminent domain ruling. And <clears throat> there's right now, there's a bunch of farmers out there in the Midwest that are opposed to this Keystone pipeline coming through. 
And they were all, they hired attorneys, they were in court fighting it, and then all of a sudden uh, they, the president said, well, we're not going to allow it to go through. So they've all dropped their guard. You know, they think, oh, it's over, we won. And we tried to get some of them to take a look at this because it's an effective way to protect that property from getting taken because even if they fork, uh, do an eminent domain on the land uh, to get the easement for the pipeline, they cannot trespass upon and obstruct those easements beginning one inch above the ground and the solar easement over the property. And, Bobby, and, obstructing the easement would include bringing in excavation equipment, right? I've been walking across it. <laughs> you know, let the grass grow too high. Drive as long as anything, as long as any of the people walking across it are are taller than one inch. But why do you yeah. say spoke to they spoke to he spoke they they let their guard down? Is the president going to reverse that decision, or does he really have nothing well, to do with it, or what? No, you can, on a on a project like that, there's a lot of money to be made, and when that's mm -hmm. the case. Somewhere down the road, they're going to ram that thing through. They'll do it. I don't know, maybe two years, maybe ten years. I don't know, but it's going to go through eventually. And, and it goes through what part of the country? Does it go through the middle or what? The part that I was uh, concerned with was running through Nebraska. And they were going to put it right through an aquifer. Mm. Okay, that's why people were... Uh, upset about it because you spring a leak there and all that drains into the aquifer well you know what happens to the, to the water you know mm -hmm. so at any rate um, they should be more prepared you know and have that in place and then it wouldn't be a concern because you get enough people doing that and it makes it extremely unworthwhile for them to try and go around it and I know that this works because I have a friend in Nebraska whose buddy sold his easements to a friend of his because the county was trying to take a portion of his acreage to run a sewer line through it. He only had, I think, four acres, something like that. It was a small amount. And they wanted to bring this pipeline through the northeast corner, I believe it was, of his property. He didn't want it there. Now, everybody else on, on that pipeline route for that sewer line got $450 for their easements or thereabouts. This guy held out, and the pipeline company was preparing to go around his property when they finally came to an agreement that he would let them take the easement through his property for $15,000 because they looked at not only the cost of going around his acreage, but also the cost of litigation, spending time in court on a case they weren't likely to win because they couldn't foreclose on these easements <coughs> under the eminent domain law. And the reason was they're not affixed to the property. Well, that's really interesting. Hmm. Are you all still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I had to mute my, my phone briefly there because one of my dogs started barking at something outside. So. Not for a minute. I lost you. 
What? No, 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 no. We're still here. So. All right. Anybody have a question? Press star eight. Uh, get your hand up there and get in line because uh, you're going to have questions about this topic. I'm reading the chat a little bit. Sorry. I'm reading. Uh, Bobby, I have a question. You mentioned vertical easements, like the ones for cell phone towers. Yeah. Uh, how would those differ from a solar and wind easement? Well, they're still connected to the land because they have to put bases in for right. those towers, you know, and pour footers and, you know, something to bolt them to and guy wires and all of that. Well, yeah. Let me ask you this, though. So let's say, let's say that, uh, I don't know, Verizon wants to build a cell phone tower um, on somebody's property. So how do they get that easement? Do they, do they motion, do they submit uh, an application to the to the county recorder? How does that work? Well, usually they'll go right to the landowner and try to buy it. If he refuses to give it to them, then what happens is because they're a public utility, they can go in under eminent domain to take it. I see. Okay. Yeah, if, if, if the landowner's very recalcitrant, but look at this. Let's say, you know, they want to do that, except you've already sold the solar and wind easements to someone else. Now they're up against it because their cell phone tower better not stick up more than one inch above the surface of the dirt. Somebody is on the chat here is saying that the easement must be made prior to the mortgage. Um, that's not... Correct. Well, well, yeah, it is in a way. Not these ones, though. Okay, actually, I'm talking. We're talking had, solar and wind easements. Right. Do, do right. Not need it's, to be. Do not need to pre pre uh, precede the creation of the mortgage contract. Right. And here's why. Okay, most easements are affixed to the real property. And in order to be effective, they have to be recorded. Otherwise, they don't give anybody notice of the easement. And I would agree with that statement if they were connected to the property. However, these, these ones are not. And therein lies the rub. If so everybody get that. I, I want to really emphasize that because I'm sure there are people listening on the call tonight and people who will listen to the recorded version that already have a mortgage and are probably thinking, well, I've already got a mortgage. I can't do anything else that would compromise or in any way yeah, so interfere with it. that. So, but that's not the case with these types of easements because they don't adhere to the real property, to the dirt or to the actual home. Right. Right. And that's, see, that was the bank's position in, in the one I'm litigating now. Oh, he recorded them after our mortgages, so they're subject to our mortgage. Not unless they constitute a claim, <laughs> interest in, or lien upon the real property. If they don't constitute that, then they're not subject to the mortgage, period. And I had this verified by the attorney for the foreclosure victim. Let me just read something here. There's a nice, very sharp guy on the on the chat here who says the deed of trust clearly specifies that the lender can foreclose if one sells the property without permission of the lender. 
They can accelerate the loan, selling an easement he's referring to. If the easement, yeah, if the easement is attached to the property, I suppose that would be the case. Right. But that's, you know, and that's a really, really critical distinction, folks, that I want everyone on this call and people who are going to listen to the recording afterwards understand that distinction. Yes, if the easement, see, title to property passes subject all leases, easements, and rights away a record. That's just how it is. Okay? Now, if the easement is connected to the real property, yeah, and they call the note, you're screwed. But because these easements are not, they have nothing to do with the buildings in the land, period. They're separate. The landowner has divested himself of any interest in those easements. So they are now a separate uh, chattel from the real property. What do you mean divested? What do you mean? Given that he sold all right title claim and interest to the easement. In other words, the landowner, when he sells the easements to the third party, that's it. He, and, and it's imperative that he does not retain an interest in them because if he does, they can foreclose on it. They can take it. That's okay. what makes these things so effective. Does anybody have any questions, Angela? I don't see any yet. I don't see any yet. If anybody has a question, press star eight. And I'll put you up talking, there. People are talking, chatting, chatting quite a bit about Carl Lentz on the uh, the chat here. I've noticed. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be a popular topic. But yeah, folks, uh, really, uh, we'd love to get you get you involved here. So if there's something that we're Bobby or myself are talking about here that doesn't quite make, make sense or is going in sideways, now's the time to ask. <laughs> I don't see anybody with their hand up yet. Well, that's but. okay. Well, then let me let me uh, let me. Oh, there's in. one. Oh, perfect. Good. Great Go Gazoo ahead, has a question. Go ahead, Great Gazoo. You've been unmuted. Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Uh, I was just listening, and um, I don't know if I'm understanding this correctly. So let me ask you this: Let's say, like, my neighbor has a, a million-dollar home. And I get them to sell me the easement for the wind and the solar. And then the baby starts to lose his house in the foreclosure. They go through and take the home. Now, like as a stab in the back, could I say, okay, now you're obstructing my easement. You have to tear down that million-dollar home and, and uh, you know, clear the way for my wind? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah, I thought you touched on that earlier, but I didn't. I wasn't sure if I heard it correctly, so that's. I just wanted to clarify. So thank you. Well, now I'm confused because I thought if you had these easements, they couldn't foreclose on your property. Oh no, no, no! They can foreclose on the dirt in the in the buildings. Okay. But what good are they if they have to raise everything to one inch above, less than one inch above the ground? And that happens why? 
because that's where the wind easement begins. I see. Okay, so the wind easement, is that just on paper then? Or are you actually well, constructing something or what? Well, it's, it's um, the, the, the paper that it's written on just delineates the boundaries and the dimensions of the easement. And that's what gets recorded. Right. And so, Angela, so the bank can go ahead and, and take the property in a foreclosure, but what are they going to do then? They've now got a, a home that nobody's going to buy. Nobody in their right mind, anyway. Unless they've got one of those big tunneling machines and they could do everything underground. It just the, the whole the whole concept. If I can just kind of hit, hit this nail on the on the head, the whole concept is to make your property as unattractive as possible. Now sure. there's other things that can be done uh, in addition to these easements, but these are very powerful to make your property a really nasty looking ugly duckling, really unattractive. And that's okay. Just but and, and that being the case, it seems from what you're telling us, has it actually stopped anyone from pursuing it or what? I mean, the banks oh, or the, yeah. the IRS. So it doesn't seem to have stopped them from pursuing it, or has it? Well, yeah, the guy in Nebraska with the county sewer line, they were preparing to build around his acreage with that sewer line because they couldn't trespass on these easements that his friend owned. But they ended up taking the cash instead. They they said, well, it was worth $15,000, basically, to let them occupy that space in the easement long enough to put the pipeline in the ground. Mm. Okay? Mm. Now, what I'm involved in here with the easements I own, the bank is desperately trying to get rid of them. You know, normally, the, here's how they should go about if they had a leg to stand on. First, foreclose on the real property and be the new owner. Then, try to rid yourself of the easements. But if they did do that with me, now they've got a dilemma. Not only are they stuck paying the property taxes because they're the new owner, I've counterclaimed them for a certain amount of money every day that they're obstructing my easements with their structures. And if they can't show that those easements are claim, interest, or lien on their real property, they're either going to have to pay me or remove the obstructions or negotiate a purchase of the easements from me. But it isn't looking pretty for the banksters. We definitely have a, a couple of cynics on the on the chat here. I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, I'm uh, just seeing that. It's okay. It, it happens every call, so I'm not going to pay much attention to that. But uh, <sighs> anyway, why don't I uh, segue into uh, the special that we're running on these? Because normally uh, we charge $1,500 for these easements. It's a lot of work for Bobby. It's a lot of stuff to put together. We walk you through the whole process because it's an entire learning process. Uh, for many of you, not all of you certainly, but for many of you. 
So uh, Bobby's going to walk you through everything that you need to do to get everything recorded, um, all the information we, we would need to create the documents. And from now until the first of the year, uh, January 1st, 2016 at midnight, we're doing these half off. So you can get uh, some really good pr uh, protection for your property for 750 bucks. And uh, this is a, a limited time offer. So for those of you who are interested in talking to us about that, uh, we'd be happy to talk to you privately. I'll put my contact information up on the chat here uh, shortly so you can get in touch with me if you want to talk to Bobby and we'll, we'll set something up. Um, so pearls for pennies, guys. This is a really nice little tool you can use. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. But um, anyway, <laughs> boy, this one guy in the chat is a real cynic. <laughs> anyway, so guys, really, we're happy to talk to you. You're probably going to have some questions if you're, you're seriously looking at this. Uh, you know, get, get in touch with me. Uh, shoot me an email. Give me a call, though not tonight. You know, call me tomorrow. I'll be in my office tomorrow, and uh, we'll get something set up. So, okay, anybody, anybody else, else have a question? Press star 8, and that'll put you up. Uh, hello? I'm sorry for the distraction. Hello? Hi. Uh, I had muted myself out, but another question popped into my head. I can see this kind of developing into like a race for the state and special interest to kind of blanket the whole territory with this wind and solar evening so where, you know, if they somehow lose the foreclosure, they could just clear the easement and force you to tear down your home and and free up to any obstruction? Um, I'm sorry I didn't catch a word you said. You're coming through like really garbled. Um, okay. Can you clearly repeat the question or maybe Angela or Bart could? Well, I couldn't understand you either. Can you get like right <laughs> up into your mic or something maybe? Yeah. Can you hear it's me kind now? Of yeah, that's better. It was very muffled before. Go ahead, okay. try again. I could see, like, when the bank is running into trouble with the, removing the easements, isn't it possible that this might create, like, a race to blanket the territory with these wind and solar easements for the banks and special interests of the state? So where if they're unable to take your home in a foreclosure, it would be one more thing that they could use against you and say, well, now you have to tear down your home and you've got to move out anyway because we want to free up the easement for the wind and solar. Well, here's the thing, though. They're not subject to eminent domain because they're not real property. Okay, so you're saying that the state would have to own the property first before they could put the easement on? Yeah. See, the owner of the real property is the one who sells the easement, okay? And prior to that, if there's no easement, you know, if, if these easements, the ones that I'm doing, are not recorded, okay, then they're not going along with the real property in a foreclosure or an eminent domain proceeding. The landowner would have to sell those easements to the state and make them the owner of the easements before the state or the feds or whoever could make you remove those obstructions. Okay. All right, I get it now. So thank you for clearing that up for me. Sure. All right, I'll mute myself out again. 
Okay. And by the way, Bobby, somebody here had a had a comment here, a question. They said, so the bank can foreclose and kick your rear end out of the house, but the easement will make it difficult to sell the property? Question mark. Yes. Yes, it will. Because whoever holds the easements can make the bank tear the house down. They could charge them a fee, a reasonable fee, for obstruction of the easements for the time anything that's one inch above the ground or uh, obstructing the solar easement. Yeah, that's right. In effect, even though these things are not a claim, interest, or lien upon the real property, they can put the owner of the real property in a jam. What do you mean? Well, Bobby, yeah, in a jam. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah. If you own the property and you're obstructing the easements, you can he can enforce them, make you remove. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, yeah, that's yeah. why that's why you would sell the easements to somebody who wouldn't do that to you in the first place. So. <laughs> But, and guys, and something else to understand too. Yeah, it's possible that that the, the you know even with the easements on there, the bank will just go ahead and foreclose. These aren't a magic bullet, okay? We there isn't such a thing as a magic bullet. This is just one tool that you can use, you know, as a as a as a deterrent. And it's better than not doing anything. Make your, your property as unattractive as possible without spending a lot of money. So that's. Yeah, I've uh, never said that. The, it'll keep them from foreclosing. In fact, I think several times I've said, yeah, they could still foreclose on the house and the dirt. The the state can still do eminent domain on the dirt in the house. But you have this problem where the easements are separate, and if they obstruct them, it's a trespass unless they've come to an agreement with the easement owner. Let's say you were looking at buying a a piece of property that was sold at a tax foreclosure, okay? You would have to borrow money, say, from the bank to to pay cash for it at the tax foreclosure thing. They're going to want to see title insurance. Title insurance company is going to look at this and say, whoa, wait a minute. This guy owns this airspace and solar easement from one inch above the ground X amount of feet and from zero degrees to 250 degrees on the other horizon, he owns that. Anything above those dimensions is an obstruction. He could make you remove it. We are not going to write title insurance under those conditions. So I have a lot of people on the chat here going back and forth. If some of you want to to ask a question, I'd be happy to Bobby, field your question. Well, Derek has his hand up. Colin, Derek, do you want to take a question from him? Yeah, yeah, sure. Go right ahead, Angela. Okay, Colin, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Yeah, hi. I'm a little, little actually very disconcerted that I've been blocked from the chat when all I was doing was giving proper information. Um, you know, I've actually won several cases, and as you know, I've encouraged people to go after the people who are perpetrating the fraud, which is the 
attorneys that are doing the foreclosures that have no right, no title, no interest whatsoever, because under the deed of trust, they're not defined and are not the lender. They're not, and according to the notes, they're not, did not. Okay, did you have, did you have a question you wanted to ask? I'm going to finish the question. They did not take the note by transfer and entitled payments under the note. I think the other people on the board are actually stating what basically what I was stating is that one here that there's no proof of facts. Okay, plus here uh, they're they're saying that the benefit of your, your easement is going to be just simply wiped out because what they're going to see is that you're doing it like I said. O.J. Simpson was trying to hide his uh, things from a judgment of the court, and it's going to be wiped out very quickly. This is not going to solve the problem. All you're doing is delaying. It's kind of like people now who are going to. Um, uh, what do you call it, going to um, uh, bankruptcy court, and now the bankruptcy courts have been corrupted as well. What we're fighting here is the corruption of the court. This is just perhaps something that will stall them. And again, the banks the banks are not the ones doing the foreclosures. They don't care. So I don't understand how this is beneficial and why a person would want to pay $1,500 and then lose the possibility of somebody if if you get a if you get a, um, an easement on place of property for a particular reason, that means as one person said, you can't now use the property. They have the right to to cause you not to be able to use it. So I just okay. Well, you've, to... a, you've asked okay. You've asked your question. Let's let give us a, an opportunity to respond, sir. I, I appreciate your go, question, go and that's a valid point. We we thank you for bringing that up. Go ahead, Bobby. Okay. First off, you're not interfering with their use of the real property. Okay, that's what you're saying. It's like saying, oh, the, the the new owner can't put up a new building because of the property taxes they'll have to pay on it. That's not true. He can put the building up. Yes, he's going to have to pay the property taxes. It's the same principle involved with these easements. You own the easements. If he wants to keep his buildings there, he can come to an agreement to compensate you for that obstruction of the easement. These easements are not, the purpose of these easements is not to hide the property or the real property from the creditors. It's not to to uh, stop the foreclosure. That is a whole different issue right there. Okay? The... The purpose of the easements, as I stated before, is to generate non-fossil forms of energy. The added side benefit of it is, is that once they're separated from the property and sold to a third party, they have this added benefit of making a seizure, a sale, or purchase of the property extremely unattractive to a third person. Now, not everybody can go in and win the mortgage foreclosure. They don't understand how to litigate. They hire attorneys. They rely upon attorneys to do that sort of thing. And basically, the only way, the only real way you're going to beat a mortgage foreclosure is if you can establish fraud in the mortgage process, the appraisal process, the the process that they go through, and there's a guy in Pennsylvania named Storm Bradford, and he's one of the few people I know of who's doing a really good job winning those. A lot of times other people will get it stopped, and then two years later, three years later, the bank is back again. So I'm not, 
you know, these are not to overcome the mortgages. That's not what they're for. Did anybody else have a question they wanted to ask, Angela? I'm looking. I don't see any at the moment. No. Okay. Well, I keep seeing the the figure fifteen hundred dollars floating around here. No, we're we're cutting that in half. These are available now for half of that figure. So um, that's that's not a lot of money. And where did he call him go? Who? Oh, I guess I guess he. Oh, there he is. He he hung up the phone. Oh, Sorry. Is that the guy that I asked guess, the question just a little bit guess, ago? Yeah, yeah, I guess he's he doesn't have any more questions. <laughs> okay. Anybody okay. else have a question? Press star eight. Hopefully we answered Colin's question. I appreciate him asking it. <laughs> yeah, anybody who's been through a foreclosure knows, you know, you signed the agreement. That's what the court is looking at. In fact, almost every court case that they bring against you criminally or civilly in this country is got, is tied to your agreement to something. And generally, it's the agreement to use the funny money. Okay? And with these mortgages, that's what the judges are looking at. Did you agree to do it or not? Well, if you agreed to do it, did you do it? If you didn't do it, flush the toilet. Now, recently they've caught Countrywide and several of the other ones doing this robo-signing. Yeah, that's fraud. You can't just, you know, go recreating these documents and expect to win. But bottom line is, if they produce the original stuff, you're stuck. So this kind of helps level the playing field, and it can help induce them to be come to more reasonable terms on settling that mortgage. And again, folks, it's just a tool, like we say. This is one of many different things you can do uh, to help protect what's yours. So, Yeah, I think Colin's presumption was that this was to overcome the mortgage. That's not what it's intended to do, not at all. Well, Bobby, what do you think? Do you want to, Angela, anybody else want to ask a question? Um, yeah, we have a hand up. Guest 30, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Hi there. Hi. Is Angela? Yes. Okay. Hi, this is a little bit off point, but if um, my parents had sold some land, and then I have been walking on this land and using this land for the last seven years, so in your opinion, would you say I've established uh, a rights of way to use that property? Or is this well, way out of your what you want to answer to? Did well, they have a will? Pardon me? Did your folks have a will? No, no. This land was sold. It's adjacent to my parents' land oh. that they owned at one time, and but the people have never used it, and I am using it as you know trails and just I I've used it for rights of way by just going on it. So in in their opinion, have I established my rights of way 
so that if they if if they sell it or someone else says, "Oh, you can't be on here," I can say, "Well, I disagree." Well, first off, I can't give you a legal opinion because I'm not an attorney. Right. But what I think about it is, first, what's the statute of limitations for adverse possession in your state? That'd be the first thing I'd want to know. Statute of limitations for what? Adverse possession. Adverse possession, thank you. Yeah, look look that up and see. Um, Here in New York, it's 20 years unless there's been an attempt to oust you, and I think then it goes to 10. I would have to go back and look at the case, but... Most of the time here, it's 20 years. Some places, it's 10. Um, I, and as far as just walking across it and hiking and all that, <coughs> I don't know. I don't think you would really have a good leg to stand on if your new owner told you, that's it, I don't want you here, stay off. And if you went on again and he had you arrested for trespass, you know, I think that would be pretty much the end of that. See, because in order to be effective, easements and rights-of-way have to be a matter of a public record. Okay. All right. Unless uh, okay. they personally wrote you one, which that would be a little bit different. Well, no, I've heard of actually uh, different situations where where that land was sold, but then someone had the right, they were always using that to go down to the pond to go fishing, and so those people had established rights of way just to go down to that pond to go fishing. So, I don't know. I, I, I would have to look into that more, but it's, I don't know. That seems kind of sketchy to me, but hey. Okay, that's all right. I'm, I'm, just not, curious I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, you could uh, well be right, but... Right, right. Okay, I appreciate your time. You guys don't, you know, the guys beat up on you on the chat board. Don't let them do it to you, okay? It's okay. <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, Critics, are, you know, they're, they're, they're a dime a dozen. You know, it's okay, you guys. I, but I, but I, I appreciate their First Amendment right to say what's on their mind, and I'm cool with that. Um, Bobby, Bobby and I well, both have th- thick skins. Good deal. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. I take this view of that. Okay. If they uh, if they believe they're right, they should be able to ask questions to prove me wrong. And I I dare say they can't. Well, Bobby, what do you think? Do you want to want to segue into the next topic we talked about, or do you have anything else more? Any more? You want to add no, to the subject? no, I don't. I don't have anything to add to that. Um, unless anyone else has a question or a comment, there, <coughs> keep, we could keep. just move right on. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and just take a step here, and I'm going to put my email address on the chat. So, if anybody is interested in talking to us privately about these easements, we'll be happy to, to spend as much time as you want just going over. Um, the intricacies of what this involves. We are going to require some information from you, so um, but I'll lay all that out in writing so that there isn't any confusion. And again, we'll walk you through every step of the process so you're, we don't just send you a bunch of paperwork and then throw you to the wolves. Uh, we'll walk you through everything. Um, 
very important that uh, that our clients are, are satisfied and feel like they've gotten their money's worth. So, and again, that 50% uh, discount applies until uh, the first of next month. So uh, it's a it's a pretty good deal. Uh, let me put my phone number too. But again, folks, please don't call me tonight. Um, call me tomorrow. I'll be in my office tomorrow afternoon. There. Okay. I'm Ohio, I'm Ohio Bart on the chat. So um, let me give it for the people who are listening. Uh, the email address is brip. That's Bravo Romeo India Papa 66 at gmail.com. Again, brip 66 at gmail.com. And the home office is 440-835-6969. Again, 440-835-6969. And again, this uh, the 50% 50, 50 off holiday discount is good until January 1st of uh, 2016. That expires at midnight. So um, I want to make these as, uh, as affordable as, as we possibly can. Neither Bobby and I get rich doing what we're doing. Uh, but you know, just like everybody else, we've got alligators. We've got to feed. So. All right, Bobby, you want to go ahead and move over to the next topic? Yeah, why don't you lead off on this one? Uh, did okay. you ever find the link to that video? Yeah, no? no, I've got it right here. In fact, I've got uh, – it's two parts. So I'll I'll post this link uh, into the chat. Um, what is it? Well, the next topic we wanted to talk about is something that's very near and dear to my heart. In fact, uh, I was just telling one of our clients earlier today about this because he keeps getting calls from uh, a certain three-letter agency about tax matters, and I impressed upon him the importance of never, ever talking to law enforcement. Uh, in this case, it was over the telephone. So that's really one thing we want to kind of hammer home here in the next segment is, uh, and a, for a lot of you listening and a lot of you on the chat, this is probably going to be like us preaching to the choir, but we want to get into some of the uh, other intricacies of this topic too, just to kind of give it a little bit more uh, uh, comprehensive treatment that it richly deserves in my opinion. And that is the importance of never, ever talking to law enforcement under any circumstances in my opinion. And law enforcement means, I don't care if it's uh, the uh, local cop on the beat, I don't care if it's uh, you know the state attorney general's office, if it's the local DA, if it's the SEC, if it's the, DO, uh, the DOJ, if it's Internal Revenue, any law enforcement, it's imperative for you to keep your mouth shut. And uh, I wish so many times people have come to us, uh, and, and I think of two very prominent cases, actually the both of which involved the SEC, and these were preliminary investigations, and the parties involved went in and conducted an interview willingly. Uh, and both parties, actually it was two guys in one case and then one guy in another. And in, in all three instances, they waltzed in to the interview room without an attorney because everybody wants to tell their story. I shouldn't say everybody, most people. It's, it's human nature to want to explain how you had the best intention you were not the one in the wrong. It was this guy over here. And uh, the two guys that were in this particular investigation, uh, it, was a, a, a three, it was three partners that were involved. There were these two guys, and then there was an attorney. And oddly enough, the attorney was the one who made out with, off with all the money. And these two guys, these two poor schmucks, got left holding the bag. And uh, I read the entire transcript of the interview, and they were both very long. 
they were both about 150 pages. Uh, and I read through both of them just because it was just fascinating. The whole time I'm watching these, you know, watching these words, reading the words on the, on the page. And I'm just in my, in the background, I'm hearing the sound of a toilet flushing because these both, both these guys just made themselves perfect targets. And that's exactly what happened. They ended up being uh, uh, indicted criminally. Uh, it was really an ugly situation. And another guy uh, did the same thing. This was a separate party, um, separate guy. Had formed his own investment company, had, some, had many investors. And uh, he was also the target of an SEC investigation uh, for selling unlicensed securities. And they pulled this guy into an interview room and this also was a very long interview. These, these guys just want to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And he was giving up, you know, I could just pull out these little tidbits here and there where, oh boy, as soon as I read that, I went, oh boy. And then in the transcript, there was a pause. And then the SEC party said, thank you. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, these SEC people, their mouths are watering right now because this guy is literally, figuratively, putting a gun to his head and pulling the trigger. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, I think, I don't know whatever happened with that, that guy's case. Um, uh, he hired us for a little bit, but then he decided he wanted to do it all on his own. So I don't know whatever became of him. But the moral of the story is keep your mouth shut. And I don't care what the circumstance is. Just don't say a damn thing. You don't have to take a blanket fifth. Don't say it like that. You know, just say, uh, on the grounds that what I may or may not know in response to that question may or may not tend to incriminate, incriminate me, I respectfully decline to answer and invoke my right not to be compelled to be a witness against myself. Okay, that's the, uh, the script that I've come up with. Anybody wants to shoot me an email, I'll send them that script. You guys should have that memorized. That should be ready to fall out of your mouth at a moment's notice because you never know who's going to call. Um, I'll be happy to send that to anybody free of charge if they want to shoot me their, uh, an email. Um, my email address is, again, brip, B-R-I-P-66 at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and I'll forward you that script. I'll tell you what to say if they call you on the phone. I'll tell you what to say if, if they come up in person. So, um, and, and also, for purposes of uh, third-party verification of what I'm saying, there's a really good YouTube video that I saw years ago. It's called Don't Talk to Cops, and it's in two parts. The first part is a gentleman by the name of Mr. James Duane, who's a professor uh, at Regent Law School, and he's also a former defense attorney. And he goes over why you should never, ever, under any circumstances, agree to be interviewed by the police. Uh, he takes up the first part, and that's about 27 minutes long. And then the second part uh, is actually a uh, cop, uh, an experienced police officer, comes right out and tells you, why you should never talk to the police. And he tells you all the tricks they use. And there's all sorts of tricks they'll use. Uh, and it's about 21 minutes long. So for under an hour, you get a really good free education on YouTube. And I'll post, uh, I'll post the first link up on the chat. Um, but for those of you listening, just go to YouTube and just enter in, don't talk to cops. And then that'll take you right to the video. And please watch it. It's really, I've watched it several times already. It's really worth, well worth the time because you never know when you're going to be interviewed. Um, you never know when the cop's going to ask you questions. Uh, they do it, you know, harmlessly enough. You know, we're just gathering information. Um, shut the hell up. 
folks, because yeah. I don't care what anyone says, they're not your friends. And there are so many instances where what you say can and will be used against you. So I'm going to put that up on the. Also, uh, what um, there's uh, copblock.org, and there's also um, what was that one called? Flexurrights.org. Those are the people that promote that video. Yeah, that's good. Coplock is excellent. In fact, I liked Coplock on Facebook, so I get their posts every time. And then also Flex Your Rights, flexyourrights.org. It's a good website. And and for this uh, YouTube video that I was just talking about, folks, I just posted the link up on the chat uh, for those of you that want to click on that or go on there and save it. Uh, It's really, really a great video, first class, excellent information. So, um, Bobby, I'm sure you have a few things you'd like to add to this. Yeah, it's absolutely appalling to me how many of your average people do not understand that you are under no obligation to talk to cops or answer their questions. Absolutely none. Now, a month or so ago up here in our local news, they had an attorney on there discussing some incident the news reported on, and he said the same thing said, you're not obligated to answer their questions, and you're much better off if you don't. They actually did a little segment on on uh, how to handle a traffic stop with cops, but they did fall short of the mark. They should have told people the, the meat of the matter is this. I'm under no obligation to answer your questions. Now, am I free to leave or not? And the minute they say, no, you're not, you're seized. And from that point forward, don't ask me any questions until I have counsel present. And then zip it. And I think, too, a lot of, a lot of the reason why people, I think they just get, they panic. Because um, I can put myself in that position. You know, people probably panic. They assume, or they think maybe, uh, if I don't answer their questions, then they're going to think I did something wrong. Well, fine. Who gives a shit? Pardon my language. If they think you got something, if they think you did something, let them let them go to a, a, a court of competent jurisdiction and get a warrant for your arrest. Right. You know, it's like they say, "Do you mind if I search your vehicle without a warrant?" Well, hell, I'd mind if you had a warrant. What's that? You know, what what does that question have to do with anything? Right. Or, or they pull you over, and the first question out of their mouth is, do you know why I pulled you over? Well, my reply is, you didn't pull me over. I saw your emergency lights. I yielded the right away to an emergency vehicle. So where's the emergency? <laughs> Isn't it a crime to use your emergency lights when there is no emergency? You know, People need to understand this, and, and, you know, you don't have to be rude or sound sarcastic like I do. I, you know, I don't do that normally. It just honks me off because people get buried by this all the time. You can sit and watch these uh, crime shows like Forensic Files or American Justice, whatever, FBI Files, and a lot of these people get buried. Why? They come in, they do an interview with the cops. They might be totally innocent. Some of them have been. 
and yet they say things that are inconsistent. Well, right away, they're just, once the cops see that, boy, they're on you like flies on crap. And they don't let go, and they don't look anywhere else for the real perpetrator. And everything you say gets twisted around, just like they talk about in those two videos, Bart, that you got the links to. Yeah, and, yeah, they do go into that in some really good detail, too. Yeah, yeah, it's just everybody, uh, they should start showing that in the third grade in every school <laughs> in America. <laughs> you know, because this law enforcement growth industry has gotten way out of control, and it has been for a long time. And something yeah. else you can do too, Bobby. Something else that 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 I've I've done before um, is, you know, if you get asked a question by anybody in law enforcement, you can ask them, "Is my answer to that question mandatory or voluntary?" Yeah. Yep. And if they come yeah. back and say, "Well, it's voluntary," just say, "Okay, well then I choose not to volunteer." Goodbye. There you if they go. say it's mandatory. Then at that point you say, well, on the grounds that what I may or may not know in response to that question may or may not tend to incriminate me, I must respectfully decline to, decline to answer, and uh, refuse to be compelled to be a witness against myself. Well, if they told me it was mandatory, I'd tell them what law makes it mandatory. And even better. There you go. That's you know, easier. I want that one. <laughs> So while we're at it, don't ask me any more questions so I can get my attorney to verify that's correct. <laughs> you know, it's there. It's really, it shouldn't be intimidating to deal with them, but for most people it is, you know, unfortunately. Well, but, yeah, they kill people for no reason at all, so. Um, yeah, I'm aware of that. That's why... I'm a firm believer, don't try to educate them along the side of the road. You're dealing with somebody who's got the IQ of a box of rocks and he's armed. And that, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. I just thought of a funny story, too. <laughs> An old, old client years ago got uh, got a paid a visit by a couple of um, special agents, and that's how they introduced themselves. Uh, this is Special Agent Smith, and this is Special Agent Jones. And then he said, <laughs> what makes you this special? Guy, this guy asked him, he says, well, what makes you both so special? <laughs> and then he said, he followed that up, he says, you guys know if, if everybody's special, nobody is? <laughs> he said the two He said the two agents weren't very entertained by those that line of questioning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could also say something like special, like in special ed. Yeah. Anyway, well, I'm know, going I, off on a tangent. I, there, There is a comedic side to things, I guess. We'll try, try to keep things light here. But, you know, I when you know the law and you're comfortable with it, you know, you know, when you really, as I'm sure most of the people on this call are. Most of you guys are, are up to speed. You know what's going on. You know the score, all, the listeners to these calls as well. You know, when, you, when you're comfortable in the law, you know what, what the situation is, you know, you can have a little fun with it too. Life's supposed to be fun, right? Yeah, I knew a, I know a lady who was working at the gym I go to, and the FBI came in and wanted to interview her. She's, you know, talking to him left and right. And after they left, I told her, I said, you know, you're under no obligation to talk to those people about anything. And she says to me, well, they told me if I didn't do it here, they were going to come to my house. And I was just floored 
that anybody would be so obtuse so as not to understand what I had just said. You know, what difference would it make if they came to your house or they're doing it here? You don't have to talk to them. Well, she was demonstrating that uh, how intimidating they could be. Well, yeah, the you know, she got, got the fear it attacked her right there and then, and she didn't think any further than that. Right. And she got scared, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, you know, she's just this nice, sweet older woman, and but they've all been brainwashed, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't know. It's scary. It's yeah. It's scary. Hey, I, uh, I just thought of something here, too, guys. This is kind of, this is a long time ago. This is, um, uh, a woman that we were, Bobby, uh, Rick and I were working with this woman down in in uh, Delray Beach, Florida, and she was the target of uh, an invest, uh, investigation. I'm pretty sure it was, I don't know if it was SEC, I, I thought it might have been the FBI guys too, um, but she had had uh, three federal agents, she showed up, um, they set up an, an appointment with her, and uh, we gave her a little bit of coaching, and I drafted a letter for them to sign prior to them to her going into any details, which was basically, you know, a, a, you agree not to, for exchange of my information, you guys agree that none of anything I tell you will be used against me. And uh, it's interesting. She wrote a nice testimonial for us. You know, she said uh, she wanted to see their credentials, and she said, let's get started, but first I want you to sign this prepared letter. And she said they responded that they were not authorized to do so, so she said, uh, well, please send me a person who's authorized. And then they tried to reassure her uh, that as a witness they were, that she was safe and that they would not use any of the information against her. <laughs> she stuck to her guns, though. We really coached her up good. And she was an older woman. She was, I think, pushing 70. Not that that's old, but uh, she said she appreciated that, but she felt that she needed to protect herself. So she stuck, you know, she said there's a lot of fraud in the U.S. government. And she said she's heard of innocent investors who have cooperated and then had the tables turned against them. Um, uh, they said they had a form letter in their computer that they could print out for her that would cover her and protect her. And she said, after about an hour of them finding and revising a two-page letter, as I read it, I said, this is very long, and I'm not sure. Okay, anyway, I'm just reading, going through the testimonial here. But, um, yeah, she just said uh, they ended up uh, not asking her any questions, and they just ended up, apparently, uh, they went back to Washington that night. So, she was very, very gratified, too, because uh, she probably would have talked and told them everything, and she very likely could have made herself uh, the target of an investigation. But uh, she stood by, stood by her guns. She stood by her Fifth Amendment rights. So anyway, it's a neat testimonial. If anybody wants a copy of it, uh, I'd be happy to send them a copy. But uh, the funny thing is, is uh, we spent a lot of time with this woman, um, and then we sent her, you know, just a bill for you know a small amount of our time. She refused to pay it. <laughs> she refused really? to compensate us for our. T- oh, she screwed us. Yeah, we spent a good oh. bit of time with her too. It was about, you know, we spent about uh, it was about five hundred dollars worth of time we spent with her. Really, just going over everything and reading the paperwork and spending time with her and drafting that letter that, that I, mm-hmm. I drafted the letter for her to hand to the guys. And um, how much said, time is five hundred dollars worth? Oh, it was, you don't mind uh, me asking. It was it, well. It was Rick's time and my time, and uh, we probably spent a good ten hours with her. But we just kind of came up with a, a round figure that, that, okay. that, was, that we thought was reasonable. And uh, you know, right. most a lot of attorneys would have charged her five hundred dollars an hour, and 
wouldn't have done her any damn good. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's just a, it's a good real life example of you know a woman who just didn't didn't sing like a canary. Well, that's I'm glad, but I'm not glad she didn't. She stiffed you. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah I know. It's kind of a funny little <laughs> twist of the story, but anyway. But uh, funny. Anyway, what else? Well, Bobby, anything you want, wanted to add to this? This is really something that I, I this is very near and dear to my heart, and something I preach. I, I really, I just, I, I wish I could just, yeah, I, I can't put enough so. exclamation points behind what I'm saying on this call tonight. Yeah, people, you know, you know when you're encountering like DWI checks, you know, you roll up and they want to ask you a bunch of questions. Where are you going? Where are you coming from? What have you been drinking? This and that. You know, first question out of your mouth should be, what's the object of this line of question? Because you know they're after giving you a ticket for dope or DWI. Well, there's another there's another really good video on this, and I could try to find it here that uh, uh, this guy was doing that uh, he he knew there was a there was a DUI checkpoint in his area, and he deliberately drove through it so he could test this. And what he did, what he does is he he puts his license, driver's license, his proof of insurance, in a little baggie. He opens up his window a crack. He dangles the baggie with his information out, you know, in the open end so that the officer can take it. And there's also a little note in there. It says something along the lines of, um, I do not, uh, you know, waive my Fifth Amendment right to not be forced to be a witness against myself. I want a lawyer. And uh, in every case... I guess he's done it more than once, but in every instance, they just take a look at his information and then send him on his way. He doesn't open the window, because that's the other thing, too. People want to crack open their window all the way. Well, it gives a, a cop the right to start sniffing around in the car. And, you know, what's to prevent a cop from saying, I smell alcohol, even if they don't? Maybe it's your right. aftershave. You know, who knows? A cop could just come, you know, outright lie. You know, they're they're good cops in this country, obviously, just like in, in any industry, but they're also some pretty bad ones, too, and they don't have any problems with lying to screw people over. So this way, if you by keeping that window rolled up, uh, it doesn't give the, that cop the opportunity to stick a snout in your car. Right. So, uh, But that's a video. You guys can find that on YouTube. I, I'll, I'll take a look, and I'll see if I can find it. Uh, and if I do, I'll, I'll post it on the, uh, on the chat in here, but... Uh, that's, that's yeah, I'd like to see it. Use. I'll see if I can find it here. You guys, Bobby, anything you can say to add? No, no, that's a, a good way to handle it because you don't want to be sitting there talking to them like you say, you know, that if they decide they don't like you, oh, I smell alcohol, pull over here. You know, now get out, we're going to do some field sobriety tests. And that's another thing. If you have it, if you've had a couple of pops, you don't want to be doing that. You know, you're better off have your license suspended for a while than to go through that and then end up paying ten grand to defend against the DWI. Um, it, but the best thing is don't drink and drive because you're as bad as those imbeciles that use their cell phones while they're driving. Yeah, that's a good point. Personal, that's- that's a valid point. I yeah, think just... they should impose the death penalty for the first offense. I see <laughs> these idiots going down the highway 
talking on their cell phones. They can't keep a steady speed up. They're not paying attention to what they're doing. They're just as bad or worse as drunk drivers or texting. God, that's another one. I've, I've had a couple of family members and a friend almost killed by these idiots texting while driving. God, that just honks me off. But that's for another day. Yeah, that's another topic for another conversation. Guys, if you want to look, you know, find some of these videos. Um, oh, here it is. You know what? Never mind. I just found it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, I'll go ahead and post it. I think this is, this looks like the one. Um, I think this is the one. I'll post it anyway up there. But, yeah, this looks like the, the guy who does that little thing, dangles the little baggie outside of his car. So I'll put this up on the chat in case any of you are wondering. I'm Ohio Bart. So I just put up a, a YouTube link that you guys can go check. But if you if you punch in uh, how to handle a DUI checkpoint or a sobriety checkpoint, you'll get lots of instructional videos. And there's a bunch of just a wealth of information available on on YouTube. It's really it's, it's a great learning tool. Yeah. So I guess I guess we've beaten that topic to death, Bobby, haven't we? Yeah, I can't think of anything more to say about it other than remember. Keep your yap shut when dealing with the executive branch of government. Really? And I meant what I said earlier, too, folks. If you want my uh, script, that's a really good script for either in person or on the phone. Um, and that's oh, the other I, thing want too. I want yeah. it. I want it. I'll send it to you. That's the other thing, too, is is, is when people people call. Uh, I've got so many clients that, that they, they usually call me right afterwards. They say, Bart, Bart, I just got a call from IRS. I said, okay, so what What happened? Well, they were asking me about this, and I said this, and I said that, and I said, what did you tell them anything for? And I raise my voice. Sometimes I get, get animated, and people take that as me being angry at them, and I'm not. It's just frustrating because I try to impress upon everybody, you don't need to say anything. And I tell my guys all the time, and, and girls and women, it's not, I don't have just guys for clients. I tell them all, don't say a damn thing of a phone. This is your script. Thank you for the call. I don't discuss tax matters over the telephone. If you have something to communicate or you have something you'd like to ask me, please put it in writing, and I'll be happy to respond. Thank you very much. Click. You don't wait for them to say okay. You don't pause. You say thank you very much. Click. That's the fun part. That's where you're in control. You hang up the phone. And that goes for debt collectors too. That's another one. But, but oh, law enforcement, yeah. law enforcement, more more importantly, just that's all you say. So just guys, shoot me an email. I'll send you that script. You guys should have that memorized. That should be ready to fall out of your mouth at uh, at, at the drop of the hat. Thank you. And I just thought of something else too. I got, I got a call a little while ago from. Uh, uh, Somebody worked at the district attorney's office out in uh, at a certain county out in California. Um, they were asking about some person that we had done some some work for some, quite some time ago, and she just says, "Well, I just he he claims this this this, and I just wanted to get your opinion on that." And I just said, uh, "I'm sorry, I can't help you," and I just hung up the phone. That's all I said. So you know, that's another another way you can handle it if you get a call like that. That's that's the way I handle it. So. Anyway, Bobby, anything else you want to add? Nope. That's about does it for that topic, I think. You know, it's fairly does anybody straightforward. Have any, 
I'm sorry, Bobby. Go ahead. I said it's fairly straightforward. It and is. Why it? In 2020, it's... are full of examples of why you shouldn't talk to them. Angela, did anybody have any questions on the on the? Uh, anybody no. have a question? I don't see any hands up, so no. Okay. But yeah, no. That's that's why they tell you anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. They take what you say, they add what they want or deduct what they want, and they use it against you. Yep. So Pretty don't straight. say anything. That's right. Keeping your mouth shut. All right. Anybody yeah, have a question, press star 8. Otherwise, uh, did you want to cover some other topic or what? Well, we did add a third topic if we got to it. I was kind of hoping we'd have a, a little more interaction on the on the call, but that's okay. Um, okay. We did have a third topic. Bobby, you want to talk a little bit? We've talked about these before, uh, about the power of uh, of criminal complaints. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, especially a lot of your listeners that, <laughs> that have been through the courts before, you know, suing these actors for their dirty deeds usually isn't fruitful because they bestow, you know, some sort of immunity on them, be it judicial, qualified, or whatever. And so if you really want to get their attention, use criminal complaints. Because in most states, if if you can't commence the criminal action yourself, then they permit you to go before the grand jury. And when they commit criminal acts, it's up to you, it's your duty to hold them accountable. Because how else are you going to stop all this corruption? So drafting a proper criminal complaint is you know, really important to learn how to do it. And it's a four-corner document like any other affidavit. The who, the how, the when, and the where. And generally what I do is uh, make a statement in the beginning that the acts and omissions complained of herein occurred within the county of whatever, state of, you know, whatever, in the United States. And then you go into the how, what happened. You know, honor or the, you could start out honor about, and I always say honor about. Don't commit yourself to a specific day because if you're wrong, they will come after you for perjury. I've seen it happen to a woman up here a number of years ago. She was given the, the judges and all a rough time about not having their oaths of office. And they went after her for that because she said something happened on a certain day and it was actually a day off. So on or about whatever day, 2015, a person known to Affian as so-and-so, if you know their name, did in the county of whatever, state of whatever, uh, commit the following acts. And then you, what you have to have is the acts that they're doing which constitute the essential elements of a crime. Now, without, uh, let's say this way, if you're seized along the side of the road and you haven't engaged in conduct amounting to a breach of the peace or a public nuisance, 
then you've been seized without committing an arrestable offense. And what do they usually do when, when they do something like that? They take you off to where? A jail. Are you likely to be found at a jail? Not usually. You don't make a habit of hanging out there. What's the next thing they do? They hold you with the intent that you or a third person pay something of value to secure your release. And they accomplish these acts while under force of arms, which place you in fear of serious physical injury or death. Now, in most states, you look up those, uh, you look up in your classification and designation of crimes and offenses. Here in New York, that constitutes abduction. It's a serious felony. And I don't care if they claim they're seizing you for a traffic stop. What matters is that your conduct arise to the level of a breach of the peace or a public nuisance. Because if it didn't, it's not an arrestable offense. And if you were to sue them for false arrest, they would give them qualified immunity because according to the criminal procedure law, I think it is, I forget the section, it says they could seize you for any offense committed in their presence. Well, what they don't tell these cops is any offense has to amount to an actual criminal act. We just recently had a case come out of the Eastern District of New York in the federal courts where a cop seized somebody for a non-criminal traffic violation, and the court ruled that, yep, they're not allowed to do that, but because the officer reasonably believed he could do it because of this statute, that he gets immunity, but they said this does not adjust the Constitution of that statute because this is exactly the kind of conduct which the founding fathers intended to prevent. <laughs> so, when they do these unlawful seizures like that, why waste your time suing them? They get immunity. File criminal charges on them. Let's see if that gets their attention and slows them down. Because they have this attitude that because they have the the power to do something, that they have the authority to exercise that power, and many, many times that is not the case. They don't have the basic prerequisites that would allow them to do a lawful seizure of your person. And folks, I can speak from personal experience. Bobby is the best when it comes to showing you how to do a proper criminal affidavit. If anybody listening wants to learn how to do that, um, and we do charge a you know, modest fee for Bobby's time to you know, tutor you on how to do this, but he is the best. He's the master. He taught me. And I remember several years ago, um, I had uh, some parcels stolen from my mail drop. And uh, I had a pretty good idea who did it, but I wasn't sure. And I went ahead and drafted a criminal affidavit. Remember that, Bobby? Yep, yep. And uh, I asked you to review it. And you did, and you gave me a few pointers here and there, uh, which uh, I made those necessary changes. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the guy that, uh, the one guy at my mail drop was arrested uh, within about five days of me turning that into the local police. I also sent a copy to the uh, county prosecutor, but the local cops ended up handling it. They put a detective on the case, and 
they went and interviewed this guy, and of course he denied it, but uh, they had probable cause to arrest him, which they did. They took him in, and he confessed. And uh, anyway, the rest, as they say, is history. But uh, you know, once you taught me how to do that, Bobby, now I can do them. Now I know exactly how they need to be done. And there is a bit of an art to it. Um, you know, it's not just, you know, there's certain things you want to make sure are in there, uh, and there are certain things you want to make sure are not in there. For example, hypothesizing. You want to just keep it to facts, just the facts. And you've got to weave in, you know, all the essential elements that would constitute the crime. Right, Bobby? That's exactly it. I find a lot of people tell me, oh, I drafted this criminal complaint and they won't do anything with it. And I read it and I tell them I wouldn't do anything with it. I wouldn't wipe my butt with it. It ain't a criminal complaint. <laughs> you know, it was, seriously, they put in all these idiotic conclusions, you know, emotional patriotic conclusions about stuff. And there's absolutely no facts to support, you know, what they want to charge them with. And you can't do that. You have to look at what did they actually do, number one. Number two, can you prove that they did it? Because that's really important. If you can't prove it, you got to be careful about stating it under oath. Okay, and number three, did what they do constitute the essential elements of the crime? And I encourage everybody, get a copy of your state's penal code, at least that's what they call it here, but it'll be the, the state code that classifies and designates crimes and offenses. And then, if you're really ambitious, go get a copy of uh, the jury instructions for the uh, most common crimes that these actors commit. Because jury instructions will really open your eyes as to what you need to allege in the affidavit to constitute the essential elements of the crime. And after you do one or two of them, it becomes really easy to draft them. I, it's just, I don't know, the lights come on, and you can look at their conduct and what they're doing, and you're not lying. All you're doing is stating the facts. They're there under force of arms, okay? <laughs> they seized you without witnessing you engage in a breach of the peace or a public nuisance. They took you to a place you're not likely to be found, which is the county jail, all right? And because they did it under force of arms, you were in fear of serious physical injury or death, and then they held you with the intent that you were a third person pay something of value to secure your release. And they did it all without your consent. I mean, that's right there is false imprisonment. It's, it's abduction in New York, they call it. And if they crossed state lines, of course, then it would be a federal matter of kidnapping. But that's just one example. You can, you know, totally... Another one is <clears throat> official oppression. When a, when a man acting as a judge enters orders or, or does something to you without jurisdiction, like orders you restrained or orders you to pay money, and he clearly doesn't have jurisdiction. And I'm I'm not just talking about you think you're a common law sovereign, this and that. I'm talking about he don't have a bona fide criminal complaint before him that would authorize him to engage in these acts. 
or issue a warrant for your arrest. Let's say that. What typically happens on traffic, okay? You get the ticket, you don't appear, you haven't agreed to appear, they want to issue a bench warrant. Well, up here, when you read our definitions in New York, they can't issue a bench warrant until after you've been arraigned. So if you never show up in the first place, not only do they lack personal jurisdiction, if they don't have a bona fide criminal complaint, they lack the subject matter jurisdiction. Or, well, let me, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd use subject matter. I just say they complete want of jurisdiction without the criminal complaint <coughs> to prosecute you on. So if he issues this order for your arrest for failure to appear, he's now engaging in official misconduct because he's using his office to commit an act that he knows he's not authorized to do in order to oppress or injure or harm or annoy you, blah, 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 per the language of the statute. But it, it would behoove you to read your state's penal code and look at what happens in a typical uh, case where, you know, you're dealing with traffic and you're trying to beat them out in the courts. and The things that they do to you, you definitely have at least a bunch of misdemeanors, but most of the time you'll end up with a, a few serious felonies. And they don't have judicial immunity or qualified immunity when they engage in criminal acts. So if they commit crimes, call them on it. And that's really where the rubber meets the road, folks, because everybody wants to sue. You know, everybody wants to sue, and that's just not going to get you anywhere. You're going to spend a lot of money, and uh, <laughs> you're much better off going the criminal route because chances are good they're committing something that's against the law. Yeah, you just have to understand what it is so you can articulate it in a piece of paper, and I'll tell you, a lot of people over the years, and I've been at this a long time, and over the years, some of the worst ones are the patriotic people. They have no clue of what the law says. They want to babble on about this common law and all the freedom, this and that, and yet they can't tell you the first thing about how their criminal procedure law is supposed to work in their state. Yeah, I call them I call them the patriots. Yeah, it's a perfect, perfect uh, analogy there, Bart. Because you know they they talk about the common law like it's some magical thing, and they, yet they can't even explain to you what the common law is. Yeah. Well, that kind yeah, of that gets right three, to the. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Angela. I'm I sorry. was just going to say there are three people in line with their hands up. So when you're ready <laughs> before for you some go more. Before you go to the questions, Angela, I just want to let me make one point, and then we'll we'll take some questions. That's kind of where Bobby and I come from. We're we're not we're not interested in being right. We're interested in being effective. Okay, there's a real big difference between the two. You know, there, right. there are many and people out there. Before you take questions, let me explain one thing to you. Go ahead, Bobby. Your common, your common law protections are embedded in the statutes. They're there. You just have to know how to read it and understand it to get them out. You done, Bobby? Yeah. Okay, Angela, you want to go to the questions? 
Okay. Uh, let's see here. First up is Colin Derrick again. Go ahead. Oh, hi, Angela. It's Colin again. Um, actually, I'm going to have to step out because the phone is uh, messing up and I can't seem to follow what the train of thought is, so I can't really be intelligent here. Uh, oh. I, the only thing I was going to share was one little tiny story of my uh, where I, when I was stupid and I had a police officer in a situation where actually it was a chief of police, came into my house. I let him in with another officer, and they were trying to tell me what I could or couldn't do with my home. At the time, I didn't know anything about the law. And they said they were coming in to help be peacemakers and to bring peace between me and the code enforcement people, and I, of course, like an idiot, bought it. And uh, part of when I was discussing with them, I said, you know, I said, I'm scared to death. Uh, I feel as though they're turning this into another Waco, and I'm scared to death that they're going to come in here guns blazing and kill me. Well, that was my statement to them, which I think anyone hearing that would understand that I'm scared to death that they're going to come in here guns blazing or burn the place down. And uh, when they did come, they came with 15 cop cars, blocked off the road at both ends, and I was in my shorts on a sunny day, um, and they said for everybody's safety, they had to take me into custody, and it was based on an affidavit of the police officer, chief of police, who stated that I said I was going to turn it into a Waco. So that's a good example of uh, mm-hmm. of how they will take something mm-hmm. and turn it against you. I hope everybody uh, heard that. Ahead. That's a real. That's an excellent example. That's an excellent example, Colin. Thank you very much for, for bringing will. that up. <laughs> Excellent. No, I, I really, that's, a, that's, that's part. Yeah, that's, that's what they do. Example. Yeah, that's a classic example. Thank uh, you. There was absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind that I was asking for help and that I was scared to death, and yet they somehow managed to turn it into something totally different. And here's, here, here's the funniest part. They didn't even know, with, even with all their aerial pictures of my house and everything else, and everything was, you know, first it started out, I had a car in my front yard that was trying to sell. They said, well, it can't be visible from the steep. So I was like, okay, so I put it behind the house. And they said, well, it can still be seen. So I put up a six-foot fence everywhere. And it was quiet for about nine months. And then the next thing you know, they got helicopter pictures. Ridiculous stuff, absolute ridiculous. And they didn't even know uh, that I had a bus back there, one of those bluebird buses, which I was turning into a camper. Well, anyway, when they came with this unlawful uh, imposition and everything that was on the court order, by the way, I'd already... Uh, thrown it into the house it was not outside anymore that didn't stop them they uh, literally bulldozed down my fence just knocked it over um, and they trashed everything they took uh, a fuel tank two fuel tanks that had bolted to the to my roof they uh, furniture lawn furniture and when I asked them later on of course I was in jail for eight hours during the whole time for everybody's safety which was so funny uh, I recognized the bus that they were going to do, try to take the bus away. So what I did is I parked it across the street of my neighbor's driveway with his per- full permission. Well, they forced me, they, and they, basically what they said was at gunpoint, they said, if you don't prove to us that this, that, that bus uh, you know, runs uh, by driving around the block, then we're just going to have it towed away like everything else we're going to take. And I drove this bus. Now, you, anyone has seen, what was that one, uh, the, running the gauntlet, I think it was, with... Um, with um um what was his name um Clint Eastwood Clint Eastwood yeah and and if anyone knows anything about this particular bus there's no way you're stopping this bus so here I am I'm driving all the way around the block with one cop car behind me and here's these 15 cop cars all lined up let me tell you it took every bit of my strength not to just simply run them all over 
But the no, point no, is, no. I, I didn't, which clearly shows I'm in complete control. I parked it nicely without touching anyone, and it was a tough park, let me tell you what. And I come off the bus, the thing they they put me in handcuffs for everybody's safety. What are you talking about for everyone's safety? I'm in a pair of shorts. There's no weapon could even be hidden on me. I just drove a, a, uh, a, 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 a if there wasn't a weapon, like a bus, that was a weapon, uh, and parked it properly. And you got, you know, 30 cops standing, you're blocking everywhere. But for everyone's safety, we're taking you into custody. I mean, it was just the most ridiculous thing you've ever yeah. seen. And then, you know, they put that uniform and that badge on, and they enjoy every bit of your torment. Oh, and then to top it off, That's a week sick. later when I started talking about bringing charges, I started studying the law, I had a visit from one of the other officers, a female officer, that actually I had found somebody who for years, 20 years, had been robbing people, and they, didn't, they couldn't catch him, and I ended up catching him. And anyway, so she came over and told me that I better not do anything or I would be sorry because I would basically, what she was alluding to is that I would be harassed and, and arrested and possibly killed on the way to jail. I mean, you talk about really, and this was in Silver Spring, Maryland. I mean, you talk about intimidation and threatening. That's, I think that's a large part of what is, uh, even though a lot of times I forget about those incidences, I think it's a large part of what has caused me to be motivated to study this stuff sure. and bring suits in federal court in order to sue these bastards. I mean, that's the only way I can see doing it. Well, that goes a bit against what we're talking about here, but your your story is well taken, and I'm sorry you, you, that occurred, but that, then again, that was the People's Republic of Maryland, so I certainly <laughs> can understand that. Angela, I believe we had a couple of other questions. Can we get yes, to those, we do. please? All right, thanks, Colin. Thanks, yeah. Colin. Uh, okay. Next up is uh, Money Mike 5000. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. <clears throat> Okay. Um, I also have phone problems. My phone dropped off in the middle of a hearing about, um, I think it was about uh, uh, traffic stop uh, questions or something. And um, what happened was uh, I wanted to ask um, if, uh, were you basing it, were you basing it on the fact that the second that you're pulled over and or like say for like say jaywalking or something uh, that you're under arrest already the second that you're you know, stopped or something? I just want to wonder if, uh, if you were basing it all on that. Well, no. The moment you're uh, the moment you're not free to leave of your own free will, you're you've been seized. That's just how it is. Uh, and the question and the question you can ask, if you're not sure, is ask the the officer, "Am I being detained?" Because he's got to tell you if you are or not. Okay. And if you're not being detained, then say, well, I'm going to be on my way, officer. Thank you very much. Goodbye. So he must So he must say that I'm be, being detained, obviously. If he's detaining you, then yes. Otherwise, you're free to go. Yeah. Right, Bobby? Okay. Yeah. But that's the question you need um, to ask. Well, because uh, the, re the reason why I asked that is because it seems like uh, there's uh, something going on where uh, um, they, that they have to they have to detain you anyway, supposedly, because um, when I was, you know, when I received my little ticket and I went to go try to pay, I try, I asked for a statement, and the first thing that I saw right up there on the on the top was an arrest fee, and you know, since I didn't hear them saying I was under arrest, I was, you know, I was wondering what, you know, was I, and I was just trying to figure out where I was uh, under arrest on that. Bobby. Well. I'd be asking him right there at the stop. That'd be one of the first questions. Am I free to leave or am I under arrest? Mm -hmm. 
that way you know, you know, hey, I see on your ticket it says arrest fee here. <clears throat> The other thing, the other thing about that too is uh, because if it's also true that you're on arrest right there, uh, then you can't ask questions because now you're just causing problems. So then they'll take your your butt down to the station right then and there because that's what does happen apparently. Well, how do you know if you don't ask questions? And like you said, if they do that, no, but you can't ask questions though because now you're already causing a problem when you're doing that. So I just, you know, I just want to know what you know. I don't know where you got that from. That's nonsense. The law doesn't say that. That doesn't negate the fact that it happens. Well, yeah, it does. And that's why you learn how to draft a criminal complaint and get their attention and show them that they need to stay within the bounds of their lawful authority. The best I can probably, that I figured I can probably do is be nice or something like that. Just want to, you know, like, you know, I mean, I'm. I'd, oh yeah, I'd you should always you know, be nice. Always, always yeah, be polite. Always, always be, nice. be friendly. You don't have to be a jerk yeah. to these cops. Right. They'll probably be jerks to you. Uh, but you know, just take the high road. Just say I'm. I'm not being in any way obstructive. Officer. They should. I, being, mean, you know, I don't I, mind if well, they. Well, let me. If I, I don't if mind I if they test me, if, but you know, not, if I may finish, sorry. sir. If I may finish. My apologies. Sorry no, about okay. that. I apologize. Just, I think we're on delay or something. Yeah. Okay. I'm just. But the point I was making was this is you know I'm not trying to be in any way combative or, or uncooperative, officer. Am I being I detained? You. Please answer my question. Am I being detained? Am be I being polite. detained? Yeah. And if you're not Am being, I being detained, detained. Yeah. Okay. If you're not being detained, then you know be on your way. That's probably more yeah. along the lines of if you're you know a pedestrian. Okay. Uh, all right. So what if Bobby's they say, Bobby? yeah, you're being detained? Will they not do that? Well, if, if if they have reasonable belief that a crime has been committed, that might be the next question you might want to ask. Right, Bobby? Right. So has right. a crime been committed? Yeah. Well, if I'm being detained, why am I being detained? Detained, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they don't have yeah. to have probable cause. They have to have reasonable belief that a crime has been committed. <laughs> Who's the injured party, or what's the harm done, no, or something no, 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 like that? No, 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 Don't ask them what the injured party is. What is your reasonable belief that a crime has been committed as a basis for you detaining me? Right, Bobby? Right, and it might be a good idea to have, a, you know, video, too. Have your car wired for video. Don't tell them you're doing it. And if you're on foot, at least. I don't know about that. Oh, not telling them that I, I, I don't, I don't know about that. That's, uh, that doesn't seem, uh, I don't know. Well, if you tell them that it's on video, guess what's going to happen to the flash drive? Yeah, if you tell them ahead of time, they will destroy it. But anyway, whatever. Is that it, right. Money Mike? I believe so. I think we I had a question, didn't we, Angela? <laughs> am, am I free to go? Yes, you're not being detained, caller. Thank you. Okay. You're not All allowed right, to care. leave. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Do we have another uh, question, Angela? Yeah. You got one from Patriot One. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I got two questions. Um, the first one is, have you ever gone after the uh, perpetrator's through the grand jury by filing a claim with the grand jury or a complaint with the grand jury? No, here in New York, we don't have the the right to go straight to the grand jury. 
And the reason is we can commence the criminal action ourselves by the filing of the criminal complaint. And, yes, at one time, way back in 2005, I had a run-in with a bunch of these local idiots over an unlicensed dog, and I didn't even own a dog. And they threw me in jail. And then when they couldn't get me to capitulate and appear voluntarily, they threw me in jail again on trumped-up contempt charges on the very night I was attempting to get my criminal complaint filed against them in the local criminal court. And so the second time I didn't capitulate and I had a petition for habeas corpus filed, they kicked me out. They didn't even hear the writ. They just kicked me out of jail. So I then went to the Supreme Court in Erie County and asked them to sit as a local criminal court because the actors named in my criminal complaint were some of the town judges and they obstructed me from uh, commencing the criminal action, which I clearly had a right to. And I laid out all the criminal acts they did in my criminal affidavit, and that really got their attention. The Supreme Court wouldn't do it. They didn't even want to take the complaint, but I left it with them, with the, the law clerk and the judge. But I know the phone wires were hot that day. <laughs> and, yeah, they, they backed off. Okay, my second question is, have you ever taken any claims against the uh, perpetrators to risk management? In other states, I have had other people do that, and they fudge around with it. They don't want to even acknowledge it as a claim. Uh, they, they say this is how you take the municipality to court et cetera, et cetera, and we did file once in Nebraska, my guys did, and they tossed it. Um, said it had to be, God, I forget what the ruling on that was. That was also way back in 06 or 07, but, yeah, suing civilly is an exercise in futility. It's like trying to piss into a 90-mile-an-hour wind. But filing criminal charges, that gets their attention. Okay, thank you. That's all. Thank you. Thanks. Angela, anybody else? Um, That looks like it. No one else. Anybody well, else? We, uh, you want to wrap up here, Bobby, unless there's anything else you wanted to say on criminal complaints? No, I, I really don't have anything more on that. I mean, we could do a whole show on drawing them. We'll walk through the penal code, but it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I apologize, you know, it, but it is. People don't want to hear me yap on that for two hours, I don't think. Mm, yeah, You make it like entertaining. Is, something like that is probably a little more conducive to just, you know, personal tutoring. So and that, that is yeah. something that Bobby, Bobby provides for anybody out there who's, you know, interested. I mean, in if they can stand education. it, you could go to Rochester Law and get the videos. I've done it on video a while back, but, you know. You know how it is, reading the law, it's just tedious, very tedious. It, it is tedious. Well, then why don't we wrap, put a, put a, put a bow on that, Angela. I, I would like to mm -hmm. leave your listeners and, and everybody on the chat uh, with some additional information, too. I did mention the special we're running on the easements, and that's good through the 1st of January. 
So that's 50% mm -hmm. off. Uh, the other special that I'm running this month is on my website, debtsuspension.com. That's debt, like what you owe, and then suspension, like what holds up your car, debtsuspension.com. Um, I'm running uh, a $50 off uh, the templates that uh, are available on my website. That's the only thing I sell. There's a lot of great information there. Uh, there's my free report on credit cards. Um, this is a great site to go to, folks, if you have unsecured debt. Okay? For most of you, that's going to be credit cards. That could be unsecured lines of credit. Uh, it could be uh, student loans. Those are the big ones. Okay, so if anybody listening has any of those, go visit that website. There's a lot of great information there. I put together a free e-course on how you can use promissory notes to suspend those debt obligations using uh, specific provisions of the Uniform Commercial Code. And the only thing that's for sale on that site is just the templates that you need, the note, uh, the cover letter, and then I also have all the response letters. Right now you can get those uh, for 50 I normally sell those for $97. I've taken 50 bucks off until the first of the year. So you can get all that documentation, and that's a lot of documentation uh, for 47 bucks. So that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty good, pretty good bargain. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't get rich doing this. Uh, pretty much whatever Bobby and I make doing this is just enough to kind of pay the bills. Um, but again, that site is debtsuspension.com. I'll post that up on the chat too. So, and really, there's a now, lot. I'll of make sure that it's linked to your name when I. Uh... I'll I'll update the website tomorrow. I'm sure, and I hope no distractions. And I'll I'll have the link corrected. Okay. Yeah, I okay. put that link up here. Let me put that up again on the chat here. Um, I like your website. It's got a video of you on there. I was looking yeah. at it earlier. Yeah, I put together a YouTube video, just kind of going over the basics of uh, the program, talking a little bit about Mr. X. Uh, Mr. X is an interesting guy. Okay. So, um, yeah, Derek, Colin, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. Um, <laughs> going to have to respectfully disagree with you there. He just posted something on the chat. Anyway, so uh, go visit that site. And again, I'm running that special, 47 bucks, all the templates uh, until January 1st. So uh, okay. you know, take advantage of that. And that's uh, if nothing else, guys, uh, even if you don't get the templates, go to the website. It's a lot of really good free information that you can get there. There's uh, information on credit card debt, uh, on student loan debt. Uh, unsecured versus secured. Uh, there's some good information there on scams that you need to avoid. Uh, also on uh, credit repair, I've got an excellent source if you guys are looking to get your credit cleaned up. Uh, I have a really good source that does that, and she doesn't charge much of anything to do it. Very, very inexpensive, and she does great work. I've been sending people to her for years. So please go go visit that site. And that's that's really all I have to say, Angela. Uh, Bobby, hey, anything else you want to say? No, that's about it. You know, Money Mike has his hand up. Let me just unmute him real quick. What's up? Quick question. Um, when uh, what was the last? Um, and I'll and I have a reason behind this. Uh, when was the last time you guys were on? The last time we were on. Yeah, on uh, I believe call. it was August. Okay. Um, here's a funny story. Uh, I first I, I was hearing you guys. I heard you guys. I don't know five, six, seven times. Um, and then um, I, I, the funny part is that because nothing was happening with me, I, I, I had a hard time understanding what, you, what was going on. And yet, and then when I came on the call today, it's like all of a sudden, it's like I knew it was all, all of a sudden, you know, how to deal with certain things. And so, like when I, you know, so like when I chatted with you guys, it was like almost like not not a, almost like an epiphany thing, or like a like a wow moment. 
So it's an aha that moment. Guys, yeah, something like that. Yeah, golden nugget ah. for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm I'm kind of glad I got a, a chance to piss and moan at you. <laughs> Wait, who, is, who, who is this? Is, were you on the chat tonight? Yeah, I was uh, on earlier, and I was having phone problems Hi. again. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, but uh, apparently it's all working now. Apparently I pressed the right button this time. Good. <laughs> well, let me add something else, too, about that website, about notes, promissory notes. I want to be really clear. Nothing in that website has got anything to do with redemption, accepted for value, or any of that crap. The straw man, you know, the uh, birth certificate, none of that crap. In fact, go to the section of my website about scams. And you'll see what, what I think about those particular approaches. This is something Funny story about the accepted for value thing was um, there used to be a cartoon by uh, from the Woody Woodpecker thing and uh, Chili Willie. And uh, Chili Willie was at the hotel and he was overstating his welcome, and then Smedley the dog was like, I don't know, a bellhop or, or, or a hotel clerk. He knocks on the door, and he goes, uh, oh, look at here, sir. i got to get about this bill here. Slips it under the door, and then he walks away, and then all of a sudden the bill comes back to him, and, then, and all of a sudden he takes the paper up, and he picks it up, and it's written right right over it. It says, paid in full. And he goes, paid in full. Oh, well, thank you very much. And he turns around, but then he, and then he goes, oh, wait a minute. And then he goes, right. So I often wonder if that's the first. I wonder if that's the first time where we know where the darn thing won't work. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. He does, yeah. yeah. All righty, that it. That's that's it, guys. So um, again, that's debt. Uh, that's debtsuspension.com, and uh, and also if anybody's interested in learning uh, how to write criminal complaints or interested in, uh, in easements uh, for some personal property they're looking to protect. Get in touch with me. Again, my uh, phone number, 440-835-6969. I'll put that on the chat again here. Uh, again, that's 440-835-6969. Don't call me tonight, please. It's already after 11 here. Uh, call me tomorrow. Um, and then my email address is brit. But tomorrow never oh, comes. Uh, Angela, are we still talking to this person? Oh, um, I apologize. Okay, and the email address is brip, that's bravo, romeo, india, papa, 66 at gmail.com. So uh, get in touch with me if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, what it is we discussed tonight, and I'll be happy to talk to you. So, Bobby, thanks for the time. Uh, Angela, thank you very much. And to all the, the uh, people in the chat and all the listeners and everybody who's going to listen to the recorded version, thank you very much, guys. Uh, we're very humbled to be able to come to this forum and talk a little bit about what we're talking about. So thank you, everybody. And on behalf of Bobby, uh, Angela, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is you celebrate. I hope you guys all have a very merry one. Well, thank you so much, Bart and Bobby. Thank you for your time and the energy as usual. We always learn a lot when you guys come on. It's always entertaining and educational, which I love. But um, thank you. And uh, you guys have great uh, Christmas, too, or Hanukkah, or whatever. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Um, Everybody, our website, my website, but it's our website, is myprivateaudio.com. I always fail to say it. I let everybody else say their stuff, but I always forget to say what our website is, where all this information lies, where you can, if you forget somehow and and want to contact Bart, 
you can go to our website, myprivateaudio.com, and go to the guest speakers page and click on his name, and there'll be a way to get a hold of him via that link. Uh, as of tomorrow, that is. Anyway, tonight it's a bad link, so don't go there. <laughs> All right, everybody. I love you. We'll see you next time, and uh, have a great weekend. Bye, Angela. Thanks again. Good night, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.